Emily Hayes. How are you doing, Emily Hayes? All right, so now that we have uh, very effectively started diving into uh, the, good, the good feels uh, and what happens when things feel bad, because um, that's where I wanted to start uh, every day of my life is thinking about things that feel bad. Uh, yeah, this, this went, this passage and this text and this moment in our life together went a weird way that I don't like to go, um, but it's a good one. Um, I do have my coffee. So we, we start out in Kings and a temple. And I don't know how much or how little we knew about the temple. I didn't, you know, I had to look back through notes to think about this. I had a class about it. I forgot the class about it. Um, But we've got a temple. And the temple that is finally built after years and years, years of hoping and wandering and God living in a tent. And there's the Ark of the Covenant in there. And what's really going on? I don't know. But God's finally got a house now in Kings, which is a big deal. Um, Other gods have houses, and this god finally has a house, and it's beautiful. Like, oh my gosh. Read, like, go back through and read how elaborate it is. It's ridiculous. Um, Talk about cathedral. and it's exciting. And Solomon says, wow, guys, look, we got a temple. We're going to go here. We're going to worship. God, answer these people's prayers so they know you're great. When the foreigner comes here, they're going to see the majesty. They're going to have their prayers answered. It's going to be great. And the people go, woo, um, because they got a place for God, and it's awesome. And they're a real nation now. And, uh, and then eventually, uh, you know, exile and the temple gets destroyed, wah, wah. Um, and the people lose everything, uh, which kind of sucks. Um, and then, you know, they rebuild it eventually. And it, there's a celebration, and it's amazing, and it's great. And we arrive in Jesus' day, and the people are, once again, wah, wah, um, under the foot of empire, you know, Roman sandals on their necks. Um, wow, we would really like some liberation here. Um, maybe this Jesus guy? We don't know. He's saying some good things. He's stirring the pot. Um, maybe it's Jesus. Like, maybe he's the Christ. Maybe he's the one to save us. And then Jesus starts saying things like, ooh, one day, one day you won't worship at a temple or on the mountain. Uh, one day you worship the Spirit. Uh, and so, so they're following this guy. And not only that, he feeds them. Oh my gosh. Uh, straight, straight to the soul, through the stomach. Um, so they got food. And then we arrive in this passage in John. Woo! And the movement's growing. They just fed so many people uh, through some magic of sharing or miracle or however you want to read it. It's magical. 
because food got to people. And then Jesus goes like to the other side of the lake, and they're like, "Oh, cool, we're gonna we're gonna go." Like, and this is like pre-car, like they didn't hop in their cars and go. Like these people are committed to a pretty good degree. Uh, like they followed him around the lake, and they have followed him for days. Like they've got lives and kids at home, like crying and like grinding wheat and starving to death. That's not true. Um, but they've like really committed to following this Jesus guy. And then he teaches this lesson about, ah, so bread? You want bread, right? You want bread? You want bread. And he says, ha ha, psych. Uh, you have to eat my body and drink my blood? And they go, what? And he says it again. And they go, um, huh? And then he says it again. This is in the larger text that we didn't read. But he, he gives a few iterations, telling the story, trying to get this point across of it's, it's within you. It's, we, we have this you know, larger scope of all the Gospels. We've read, you know, we've got the spoilers of how it all ends, blah, blah, blah. But like, they're in the middle of it, and they're confused. This, this leader, this Christ is supposed to save them. And he's like, woo, it's spirit. And they're confused, and they're probably both disappointed. And um, they, they don't get it. Sad face. Uh, and so a lot of them go home. And that's weird. They followed him for days. And he's, he's, but he's Jesus, right? Like, he's so great. But they go home. They're like, well, this isn't what we signed up for. We are disappointed. Uh... And I would be kind of disappointed. Like, I, I want this. I need this. My family is suffering. We can't pay our taxes. Rome's the worst. Um, when will we ever be free? I guess this guy ain't going to do it. I may as well go back and make, make money, get food, feed my family. Um, and then there's the disciples in the passage. And they follow, they've, like, they've really sold in. They've like given up their lives. And walked around with them, and like left family members, and they are not climbing up the economic ladder. Uh, and then this great teacher that they're following lost so many of his followers. So they've got to be wondering, like, oh, what, um, what horse did I just hitch my car to? Are we sure about this? And there's also no indication in the text that they understand the teaching either. So this is like the theme of John's misunderstanding. The disciples don't get it. The people don't get it. Like, once again, the people who are supposed to get it, who are supposed to be helping Jesus teach it, they're also inside like, wow, did you, did you get it? Like, I didn't, I didn't get it. Are we okay? So they're worrying. And then there's Jesus, who is trying his darndest. Um, he has walked around. He has fed people. He has got tired and left and tried to get rest and then the people were like, hey, what's up, Fred? And, and he still keeps teaching. And he tries three different ways with all these creative metaphors and they don't get it and they don't get it and they don't get it and then they just leave. And so Jesus is there uh, okay, like I'm supposed to be doing this Christ Savior of the world thing, but uh, it's not working. Oh, like that's the worst. 
Like I remember a very minor disappointment of a garden work day and it was a bunch of you lovely people and one neighbor who was also a very close friend of mine. And it was just like, oh, a disaster. Lowest of stakes. And still, cycling back to discussion questions, that fell through. Like, oh my goodness. And I hope you got as far as to kind of pinpoint one of the places where where that feeling lands for you. Um, Michaela and I kind of resonated on, a, you get the brain swirly whirly brain fog, or sometimes I'll notice it like a tension in my chest, or my shoulders will just be hyped up. Or if it's really processed some, and I've gotten past the point of all false hopes with it, it lands on my stomach. And it's just kind of like a weight sinking down into the earth. So whatever that is, put your hand there. This is gonna be a thing, so you know, we'll come back to it. But this is gonna be one of our grounding points between us and the text. Um, so, uh, this section ends, whether you're Jesus or the disciples or the crowds, they've lost hope. That's in my belly. Um, and we don't, that's, that's not cool. Because, uh, like, the story ends there. Uh, like, that's where this text ends. And that's, okay, cool. Pre- preach about the good news of the gospel. Wah, wah. It ends, and they're all confused. And, like, at best, Peter's like, well, I mean, where else are we going to go? And Jesus is like, thanks for the vote of confidence. Um, and shoot, like, we look, you know, floods. Campground washed away, a church washed away, homes. Uh, there's fires all over the place. Most of Greece is on fire. Uh, like a week or so ago, I looked at the map and it's just scattered all over the country. Just fire everywhere. There's the Dixie fire going on in I think, California. We've got Delta. Oh my goodness. I don't have kids, but uh, school is attached to that. And for me, dancing is attached to that and college students, and seminary stuff, and work stuff, and friendships, and family members being sick. Ugh. Like, we were almost through it. Our vaccines were working. They were gonna save us. Yay! And then, sad trombone noises. We've got the Delta variant. Congratulations, all your kids are sick. Um, ugh, where's that? Hand on belly, hand on chest, hand on head. That's a shattered hope, too. Um, we got Haiti. There are people living there that have had poverty after colonialization, and then some like hurricanes, and then their president got assassinated, and now they got earthquakes. Oh, like living in Haiti, those people shattered hopes. When will it get better? When will the Messiah be here? Afghanistan? I mean, the history of that region of the world as far back as we want to look for thousands of years has been disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. And maybe after these 20 years, and this country trying to fix it, it'll get better. Womp womp. Shattered hope. Put your hand in that place again. Um, Kaleo is in, a, is in a place, in this lovely space, that has been good to us. 
And we left a place that we loved because we needed a new place. And we came to a new place that we had learned to love. And then all of a sudden, life does its thing and wah, wah, shattered hopes. And we're moving again. And we're back at square one at Coleman. Um, I thought we were supposed to be growing or something. And oh, community center, go back, go to jail, don't pass go, don't collect any money at all. <laughs> shattered hopes. Um, we can look at our political situation, and for whichever party anybody supports, it's disappointing. Like, what we hope to happen, regardless of what we hope for, has not happened. Like, mass disappointment. We hope that maybe with a different, uh, I don't know, president, things would change. Nah. Status quo, womp womp. We look at um, what's happening with jobs and standard of living and base pay levels and economic stress and housing prices and wondering, oh, what hope is there? Where is it? This is the doom and gloom part of the sermon, by the way. Smile. And there doesn't look like there's any hope. There's not this, this whole, uh, we're sitting on top of the world comfortably, we're in control, this is changing at the global scale. And so we don't know what the future of US economics looks like. Experts don't know, we don't know. We're just kind of in it, trying to live somewhere and eat food. But oh, that's a hope shattered, right? Especially for parents and grandparents who hope for better, more, and hear a lot of us go, you know, I will gladly eat avocado toast to cover over the aching pain. And, uh, and of course, another shattering is in this story. And the really fun part is that after this day ends for these people in John, after the crowds leave and this thing continues on, eventually Jesus dies. Like, it couldn't get any worse. Our crowd is shrinking. Oh, he's dead. Oh, um, ooh. And 70 AD, the temple gets destroyed again. Ooh. This, was this the Christ? And yet, um, there's some people, and there's the secret that for some reason they've got hope in the middle of this. For some reason, they're doing this Christian thing. But that is a different sermon. Um, and so their temple is shattered. Not only do they, once they finally do this amazing work, cycling back into our discussion questions, of the temple. They've got the temple built. They're transitioning into place in Jesus. It's the temple. They've got beautiful language scattered throughout the scriptures of Jesus assuming onto himself the role of, I am the temple. I'm going to tear it down. I'm going to rebuild it. I am the high priest of all high priests, like better than all of the others. I am the sacrifice in the temple made by the high priest. I am the temple. Like he's assuming all of this into himself. And they're starting to hope. And, and that new temple also dies. Um, that, that, and not only was he an emotional hope, right? The temple to the Jewish people is built 
at a high place in the city. It's got a wall. It's essentially like last-ditch fort for these folks. Um, so it's safety. It's physical safety from invasion. The temple is the location, the center of their religious imagination. Like, this is where they go to worship. This is where they celebrate. This is the thing. Not only is it their religious imagination, it's also their spiritual home, which is a little different from religious in that this is the place where God lives. Like, this is the home that God has chosen to dwell. Solomon talks in Kings again about, you know, God, we know that, who, who are we? Who is this temple that you would dwell here? Like, they know, they kind of get it. Like, this is this amazing thing that has happened. God's here. And this, like, oh my goodness, to know that you're where God is, that is, whew, that's it. I mean, that'll carry you through a lot. But then Jesus dies, and the temple curtain rips. And so you can't go back home. God's gone from this place. Jesus is dead. And then he rises, but then he also ascends again. Um, so this is a weird... If we were getting attached to the form of it, if we were getting attached to... I know that's where God lives. If we were getting flexible, inflexible, a little dried up, um, ouch. Um, and the temple is good. That's a side note. Don't forget that. Like, the temple, the form that is working, the place we worship God, the things that we hope in, the things that give us life, are good. Like, it's good to love them, and it's good to support them, and it's good to mourn the loss of them. And they are genuinely painful to lose. Um, even if, like, the Jewish temple, they're mixed up with weird histories. They don't have to be perfect to hate their loss. Um, you go forward a chapter in Kings, and we find this temple that Solomon built. There's a record under other acts of Solomon. And it's how they built the temple. And then it says, oh, the Israelites conquered, insert giant list of peoples. And who they couldn't destroy, these people Solomon conscripted to build the temple. Uh, which means slavery. Um, Fort Negley, I don't know if you've read the signs there, but was built by the Union with conscripted ex-slaves, so slave labor. And they slept outside on the ground in the winter. And so we've got the good temple of God built with slave labor, and then the king that they got the gold and the cedar from, um, he also gets upset, because Solomon gives them some apparently not great cities in the so, ooh, wait, that's the temple? This is the place that God is happy to live? Um, that's, I mean, that makes me itchy. That's messy. Um, I got off track there. But follow me. So we've got the Jewish temple. We've got Jesus' movement as a place that we place our hope. The fell through. We've got kids going back to school, childcare, friendship, grades. They might learn something, finally, other than uh, panic management. But that fell through with Delta, hand on stomach. We've got human role models that fall through. I mean, insert a lot of stuff within the evangelical world lately. Um, we've got America's economic power on this downward slide. We've got church building on the downward slide. We've got dream jobs, um, faith in American democracy, um, again, whichever party. 
we'll get there. I'm landing it. And we're killed. Um, we've got maybe an easily understood Bible as as a as a thing that's slipping from our from our fingers. Um, I kind of remember that feeling of like, this is safe, this is secure, I can always come back to land in this place. And then, oh no, like this is shifting. Like where is God? Not there anymore like I thought. And then it makes you relearn where God is. And it happens, you know, a number of times. The myth of endless natural resources that is changing eventually, how we organize our economies, Lake Mead and Lake Powell drying up out west, the southwest within 10 to 25 years becoming uninhabitable, like the places we can live on the earth are changing because of our actions. Ah! Um, and so, uh, that's a lot of shattered hope. And I don't, it's a common discussion among folks my age of, and I don't know, I haven't asked anybody 10 years older, but like, is it like moral to have kids? Um, do we, do we want to continue this thing we're doing? Like, can I participate in this wholeheartedly? Can I eat food knowing that it was grown with bad labor? Can I worship in the temple knowing it was built with blood, etc., etc.? And the passage in this place that Oh, the uh, secret is that we're not going to get out of all these things I just talked about today, or this week. Um, those don't get fixed in the sermon. But the passage, ending where it does, lets us in on a mystery about ourselves, and about God, and about the fabric of existence. And it's that uh, it ends, and the day ends, they go to sleep. Jesus goes to sleep, having lost followers and probably pretty hopeless. But that's God. God goes to sleep with shattered hopes. Um, the, as Peter says in John, the Holy One of God, the Word of eternal life. Um, in Job, the one who set the foundations of the earth goes to sleep with shattered hopes. This God lives in this reality and experiences this suffering. And so if God lives here, I don't, like, can we live anywhere else? Like, if there, I don't know if there's anywhere else possibly to live. You have to come up with a weird metaphysic to come up with another place. And so if we're stuck here, if perfection, if God's perfect temple, if the holy place of God can be built with blood, then that means it's not pure success or infinite growth or my favorite, no pain, no disappointment. Um, Jesus, Jesus arrives and in the middle of all of the things that are currently unfixable, um, the things that hopefully one day will resolve, but that today we're going to have to go to sleep with. It's okay. Maybe not forever, but God is here. And all of a sudden, we have to hold our outcomes more loosely and wonder about them and let go of what I want to happen, which is everything to fix. And we're all going to go live at the Big Rock Candy Mountain and have no more problems. Um, yeah, so it doesn't go as far as we want it to go. The passage ends. 
and we are still shattered. Um, all of this teaching, they're gone. All the hope that they wanted in Jesus, gone. Um, went off the rails. Ah, man. Yeah, people in Afghanistan are going to go to sleep with a weird country. And people are going to go to sleep with homes washed away from a flood and the forest on fire. Um, yeah, but even if they change one day, there is genuinely good ground to stand on in knowing that right here, where my feet are, and right here in this icky place where shattered hopes live, um, that's, that's where Christ is, because that's today's reality. And that's where we find God. And as for Peter, um, where else can we go to find the words of eternal life? And I don't know how that works. But um, according to this story, that's, it, does, it, it works like that. Um, and so, with zero solutions and only a little teaspoon of courage to sit and wonder and remember that feeling rather than try to banish it, um, I'll pray us out of the sermon and then we'll sing a song. So, with your hands or in the places where your anxiety gathers, pray with me. God, who is not separate from life and all of its joys and all of its sufferings, today there is truly more than we can handle. Thank you, thank you for this reminder that when our hopes are shattered, um, we don't have to wonder where you are because you are right here hoping and shattering with us. Um, as the people named in John, this teaching is hard, and we would rather you just give us more bread to eat. Um, and so, please grant us the grace and the courage to stay here with you, even before it begins to look like eternal life. Amen.